Welcome to the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. We're getting ready to have an old-fashioned line-on-line, precept-on-precept study of God's Word to search out those deeper truths and gain a greater understanding of the Bible. We would love for you to join us today as we dig in and learn what it is God would truly have us to know from His letter that He wrote to us. All right, God bless you and welcome into this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. I'm going to be picking it up today in Genesis chapter 20, verse 1. And we just covered the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and then also Lot uh, basically bringing offspring, or the daughters of Lot bringing offspring through their father. Basically, you know, they thought they were the last ones left on earth. They just saw everything destroyed and figured they had to save humanity, I guess. So today we're going to pick it up and we're going to get into some more journeys of Abraham and the promised child uh, coming to pass, I guess, coming to birth. So we're going to ask for that guidance and that understanding from our Father in Jesus' name and we're going to pick it up. Genesis chapter 20, verse 1. And Abraham journeyed from thence towards the south country and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur and sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said to Sarah, his wife, she is my sister, said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? Now, something important about this verse where it says, Lord, there's a group in basically, I guess you could say ancient scholars, they're called the Sophrim, the Sophrim. And there were 134 occurrences in the ancient manuscripts where they changed the name of our father, Yahweh, to Adonai, out of reverence uh, for his name that, you know, they believed that his name was too holy to write. And this is one of those occasions where his where the name was changed to Adonai. Uh, verse 5, So he not unto me, or said he not unto me, she is my sister. And she, even she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands have I done this. And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart. For I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. Basically, he put a little plague on him to where that he couldn't have, even if he wanted to. Verse 7, Now therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. And one thing, this is the first occurrence of anybody being called a prophet. And it doesn't necessarily mean to be uh, a foreseer, or one that can tell the future, a dreamer, or as it's called later on in some places. But a prophet can be many things. It can be a teacher, uh, one who prays for somebody, one who just basically a spokesman for God, not necessarily a, a, a future seer, I guess you could say. <clears throat> and that's a... You know, that's the problem with the world today is whenever you see prophet, everybody thinks, oh, well, 
God told him what was going to happen in the future, just like a lot, just like Isaiah and Ezekiel and so on. But in most cases, especially nowadays, prophets are teachers. They to to prophesize to be able to teach God's word the way it's supposed to be taught. In Ezekiel, there are spots where God would say, they say, thus saith the Lord, but I've not spoken to them. And there's a lot of that going on in the world today. There's a lot of people that claim to be prophets and claim that they can see the future and claim that God speaks to them and and they talk back and forth and, you know, he told them what clothes to wear this day and all this kind of stuff and it's just God hadn't spoken to them. All right, verse 8. Therefore Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told all these things in their ears, and the men were sore afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said unto him, What hast thou done unto us? And what have I offended thee, that thou hast brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? Thou hast done deeds unto me that ought not be done. He's, and, and, and it's true, you know, he, he's kind of saying... You know, I didn't do anything. I was innocent in this, and you and you even let her come to me. You know, like you didn't put up a fight. You just said, yeah, that's my sister, and he sent out far, and so well, all right, you know, don't kill me. Go ahead and take her. Verse 10, And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What sawest thou that thou hast done this thing? And Abraham said, Because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. So he kind of... We can, we can look at this, we can learn from this, and kind of don't judge a book by its cover. You know, we're not the judge. God's the judge. We're not to judge anybody. You know, I've sat in too many congregations, too many funerals, and other places where they say, well, you know, I just I, I just feel real bad, but, I you know, that old fellow there, he just he lived a hard life, and I just don't think he's in heaven. Well, that's not up to us. Or some of them will preach him right on into heaven. Well, that's not our job. God's the judge. We cannot judge any man. And Abraham was kind of jumping the gun here and figured, well, this is a, a pretty rough old crowd, and, you know, they're going to kill me, and he's judging the book by the cover. Verse 12, And yet indeed she is my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. So she's his half-sister. And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said unto her, this is thy kindness, which thou shalt show unto me. At every place where we shall come, say of me, he is my brother. So, you know, do me this little favor. Because she was beautiful, and apparently this is the second occurrence of this, so everybody wanted, to, wanted her. And that was just a way of keeping him alive, I guess, is what was in his mind. Verse 14, And Abimelech took sheep and oxen and men servants and women servants, and gave them unto Abraham, and restored him Sarah his wife. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before thee. Dwell where it pleases thee. So obviously the fear of God was there because God told him to, to let loose, and he let loose and even gave him land. And unto Sarah he said, Behold, I have given thy brother a thousand pieces of silver. Kind of a little bit of irony going on here. Now he knows they're married, but he's still playing into the brother thing. Behold, he is to thee a covering of the eyes unto all that are with thee and with all other. Thus she was reproved. He gave her back. So Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants, and they bare children. 
For the Lord had fast closed up all the wounds of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. And see, the thing on that was he he promised Abraham a seed at a specific time, which is coming up. And if it were the case that any type of malice were to happen and she was and she was going to be pregnant before that time, well, that would have messed the timeline up. So that divine protection, God had to come in and cause that not to happen. But he couldn't just outright say, hey, this is what's going on, because he's still kind of, you know, keeping it under wraps. He's still keeping it just between him and Abraham. Chapter 21, verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had spo- as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. So he told her at this, you know, a, a year from now, you're going to conceive and you're going to bear a child. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. Isaac meaning laughter. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac being eight days old as God had commanded him. And Abram, Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God had made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck, for I have borne him a son in his old age? Now, a lot of people right there, they, uh, a lot of scholars believe that verse points to the fact that whenever God made this promise to Sarah, he gave her a youth back, which would have been, or restored her youth, which would have been a reason even though she was well up in her age, that Abimelech would have still found her beauty beautiful and sent for her, caused her to come into his palace. Verse 8, And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Basically, this is saying he, he was... Mocking again, he's over there picking at little Isaac. Wherefore, she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even Isaac. You got a little jealousy going on here. You see, he was Abraham's firstborn. So naturally, you know, as far as the, the law of the firstborn and stuff go, he should have received that double portion. But she he was the son of the maidservant. So, you know, we see Sarah's getting a little getting a little jealous, fixing that, you know, she's intervening here. Verse 11. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. Now, you know, he wasn't Sarah's son, so she didn't have a tie. But Abraham was emotionally tied to Ishmael because that was his son. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for an, for an Isaac shall thy seed be called. And that seed would later be called all the way down umbilical cord to umbilical cord to Christ. And that's where all the nations, the, the those who have everlasting life will come to is Christ. That's why in... Luke chapter 16 talks about paradise, and you've got a gulf separating it. And on one side, you have the bosom of Abraham that's being grafted into that, 
genealogy, being grafted into that family when you believe upon Christ. Verse 13, And also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation, because he is thy seed. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and took bread and a bottle of water, and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder, and the child, and sent her away. And she, and she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water was spent in the bottle, and she cast the child under one of the shrubs. Basically, she set him down in the shade. And she went, and she sat down over against him a far, a, a good way off, as it were a bow shot, uh, quite a bit, quite a ways. For she said, let not, let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lift up her voice and wept. Uh, in in some of the manuscripts, it says, and the and the lad lift up his voice. Verse seventeen, and God heard the voice of the lad, and the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him in thine hand, for I will make a great nation. And God opened her eyes. And she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. So you see, God always comes through on his promises. He promised Abraham that his seed would be a great nation. Being that Ishmael is one of the, his seed, he is fulfilling this promise. Verse 20, And God said, or, and God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. And he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran. And his mother took him a wife out of the land of Egypt. And it came to pass at the time that Abimelech and Phicol, the chief captain of his host, spake unto Abraham, saying, God is with thee in all thou doest. Now therefore, swear unto me by God that thou wilt not deal falsely with me, nor with my son, nor with my son's sons, but according to the kindness that I have done unto thee. Thou shalt do unto me and to the land wherein thou hast sojourned. And, you know, being that Abimelech, that they had gone through this deal already and Abraham had prayed for him, you know, it's always good, especially he's in this land. He's living in Abimelech's land. So it's a good thing that they should deal honestly with each other. You don't want to go around lying and, and backstabbing and just trying to get what you can get while the getting's good and all that when you're basically their neighbors. And so, you know, that, I mean, that's just the, the peaceful way of living. Verse 24, And Abraham said, I, I will swear. And Abraham reproved Abimelech because of a well of water which Abimelech's servants had violently taken away. Now, in Exodus, um, I, can't, I can't remember the verse right now, but I do know that Whenever Moses stood up and he was provided, or God miraculously provided water for the children, that Amalek came around and was fighting them, which was in this same land, went to fighting the Israelites for this water. And it kind of it kind of goes to show that the covenant didn't last. You know, it it lasted only through apparently the sun's sons, but once you got on down some, then they forgot about it. Whenever Israel came back into this land, well, here they were back fighting again over it. And Abraham took sheep 
and oxen and gave them unto Abimelech, and both of them made a covenant. And Abraham sent seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What mean these seven ewe lambs, which thou hast set by themselves? And he said, For these seven ewe lambs shalt thou take of my hand, that they may be witness unto me that I have digged this well. Wherefore he called the place Beersheba, because there the they swear both of them. And Beersheba means the well of the oath. 32. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech rose up and Phicol, the chief captain of his host, and they returned into the land of the Philistines. And Abraham planted a grove. Now this grove is a lot of places throughout the Old Testament. When you read a grove, it's uh, Asherah or Asheroth, which is a, basically a, a worship place for fertility rites. It's where Easter comes from. The goddess Ishtar would go into these groves, or you know, they would worship her in these groves, and they would roll eggs because they were symbolic of, of fertility and you know, rabbits, quick like a bunny, you know, they they breed quick, and that's what groves were about. Well, this grove is different. This grove is, he planted just a bunch of trees, basically, which would later provide wood for the altar that he would take Isaac on. And, Abraham, and, uh, and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. Verse 34. And Abraham sojourned in the Philistines' land many days. Chapter 22, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here am I. Here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell of thee. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. That wood came from that grove. Verse 4, Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Now you see Abraham's face there because he's saying God told him to go sacrifice Isaac. But he's saying me and him are going to go up here and we're going to worship. But then we'll be right back, both of us. Verse 6, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and the lad upon and, and, and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father... And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And you see, Isaac's kind of getting a little sharp here. He's kind of looking around and thinking, You know, what, what's going on here? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Now Paul speaks of Abraham's faith as being such a mighty faith that he was a friend of God, that God called him a friend. And you see this faith showing through right here, that he said God will provide himself a lamb. And they came to a place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order 
and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called upon him out of heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. That fear is, can be fear or revere. He's saying, I, 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 see, I know that you're faithful. You've passed the test. Now you see, God didn't withhold his son. His son was the one and all sacrifice for all time. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. He was right. God provided his own lamb. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him upon the burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Yahweh Yari, which it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. That Yahweh Yari means the Lord that provides. Verse 15, And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time, and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and has not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply him. Thy seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sand upon the sea. And they shall see, and, and they shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned unto his young men. And they rose up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. Now, as I know I've said it a lot, but that blessing of his seed, that all the earth will be blessed, is because Christ. Genealogically, uh, genealogically, however you say that word, (laughs) Christ came from Abram. He is an extreme great-grandson. And that seed blesses the entire world, whomsoever will. Verse 20. And it came to pass after these things that it was told Abraham, saying, Behold, Milcah, she hath also borne children unto thy brother Nahor. Huz, his firstborn, and Buz, his brother, and Kemuel, the father of Aram, and Chased, and Hazel, and Pildash, and Jidlaf, and Bethuel. And Bethuel beget Rebekah. These eight, Milcah, did did bear to Nahor, Abraham's brother. And his concubine, whose name was Reumah, she bare also Teba, and Geham, and Thahash, and Maacah. 23, verse 1. And Sarah was a hundred and seven and twenty years old. So, a hundred and twenty-seven. And these were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died in Kerjath Arba, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham stood up from before his dead and spake unto the sons of Heth, saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession of a burying place with you, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And the children of Heth answered Abraham, saying unto him, 
Hear us, my Lord, thou art a mighty prince among us. In the choice of our sepulchres bury thy dead. None of us shall withhold from thee his sepulchre, but that thou mayest bury the dead. And Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land, even to the children of Heth. And he communed with them, saying, If it be your mind that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat me to Ephron, the son of Zoar, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he hath, which is in the end of his field. For as much money as it is worth, he shall give it to me for a possession of a bearing place amongst you. So he's wanting to buy this. He don't want to just rent this. He don't want to just use it. Or He wants to do this the right way, make a contract and buy it outright. And Ephron dwelt among the children of Heth. And Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the audience of the children of Heth, even of all that went in, it, went in at the gate of his city, saying, Nay, my lord, hear me, the, the field give I thee, and the cave that is therein, I will give it thee. In the presence of the sons of my people, give, it, give I it thee, bury thy dead. And Abraham bowed himself before the people of the land, and he spoke unto Ephron in the audience of the people of the land, saying, But if thou wilt give it me, I pray thee, hear me, I will give thee money for the field. Take it of me, and I will bury my dead there. So he don't want the gift. He don't want them just to give it to him. Because verbal contracts and such like that, you know, they they tend to fall through. But if you have a, a bill of sale or a written down, I paid this much for that, well, then that's hard to go back on. And Ephron answered Abraham, saying unto, my, uh, unto him, My Lord, hearken unto me. The land is worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that betwixt me and thee? Bury therefore thy dead. What he's saying is, and it's not worth nothing. 400 shekels of silver was nothing between these two. It, it's just, you know, just a little bit. And Abraham, verse 16, And Abraham hearkened unto Ephron. And Abraham weighed to Ephron the silver, which he had named in the audience of the sons of Heth, 400 shekels of silver, current money with the merchant. And the field of Ephron, which was in Mechpele, which was before Mamre, the field and the cave, which was therein, and all the trees that were in the field, that were in all the borders round about, were made sure. And Abraham, for a possession, in the presence of the children of the Heth, before all that went into the gate of his city. So he did it right. He went down, basically he went down to the courthouse and wrote out a bill of sale, I guess you could say. He went down to the merchants, weighed out his silver, and basically got a deed for this land that nobody... Once he buried his, his dead there, nobody could take it from him. Nobody could go back on their word. And if anything happened and, and if Ephron was to die or, or any of these witnesses, there, it's still on the books that Abraham purchased this. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And the field and the cave that is therein were made sure unto Abraham for a possession of a burying place by the sons of Heth. Now, this burying place is, it stays in the family a, a, a long while. It said that Abraham was buried here, uh, Isaac was buried here, Rachel was buried here, Sarah was buried here, and if I remember correctly, 
Jacob, who would be Israel, was buried here as well. And when you lay the names out in in a the the first letter of each name, it gives kind of a I can't think of what it's what it's called now an acronym that spells out Israel. So it's a very neat uh, cave here, a very neat deal that that's how that would have worked out. Now, in our next study, we're going to get into Isaac and him taking a wife, and then also Abraham takes another wife, which is where many of the tribes and peoples that they run into during the Exodus and such will come from, from, from more offspring that Abraham will have. God bless you, and you all have a great day. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, you can go to our website at www.humansundergrace.com and under the Contact Us page, submit your question. Also, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, P.O. Box 1467, Tatum, Texas, 75691. Thank you, and God bless you.